Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this weekend are, are tough for everybody, I think, but they're especially tough for those who are in positions of leadership in the church. Now, I know, you know these homilies go out to a lot more than just priests, but at the same time, I know a lot of priests uh, listen to these homilies. And um, so maybe, you know, brothers, we have to take these readings with a special um, seriousness. So I've been a priest for 31 years, hard to believe, and now a bishop for going on three years. And I'll confess to you that the words that we hear from the prophet Malachi and from the Lord Jesus today are deeply challenging and unnerving. And, you know, they come up every three years in the cycle of readings, and many other readings like these as well. And as a priest, as a, as a bishop, as a leader in the church, um, these are, I take these seriously, and they are challenging to me. You know, here's a general comment first. It, it seems to have been an almost particular mark of Israelite religion that its great figures were especially sensitive to the ways that religion goes bad. Now, again, look, we're, we're human beings, we're all sinners, which means everything we're involved with goes bad. That shouldn't surprise us. Whether it's politics, the arts, you know, science, whatever we're involved with will go bad, and that includes religion. But I think there was a special sensitivity among the ancient Israelites to the ways that religion goes bad. Now, maybe it's the old Roman idea, corruptio optimi pessima, right? The corruption of the best is the worst. And so when religion, which is the should be the best thing in life, what gets us in touch with God, when that goes bad, it, it really goes bad. But the Hebrew prophets and Jesus himself, for whatever reason, I mean, regularly rail against corrupt religious leadership in their time and place. And see, here's the thing I find intriguing is that there's nothing quite like it in other religious traditions. Now, I, I mean, all, all the religious traditions have a sense of, of how we go bad. But, you know, most of them will end up doing more the opposite, sort of covering up for religious uh, corruption or apotheosizing their religious leaders. But then you have the biblical authors who just tend to move in the other direction. They're not self-protective or self-aggrandizing. They tend to highlight the way that Israel's political and religious leaders uh, go bad. Now, let me, here's another general remark about this. I think it's very important to note that though this language is indeed very harsh, it should never be taken as a dismissal of religion itself. That's a temptation. You know, oh, look at the Hebrew prophets. They're always railing against the temple and the priesthood and stuff. But see, none of the prophets, very much including Jesus, none of them stood against the temple or the priesthood or sacrifice or teaching or the law in themselves. See, don't misconstrue them as kind of, you know, French revolutionaries 
of the ancient world or as modern day rationalists or skeptics. That's not it at all. What bugs them is the corruption of something which is meant to be so good and so right. It's because they love the temple. They love the priesthood. They love authentic sacrifice and Torah that they rail against their misuse. Okay. So what's bugging the prophet Malachi in our first reading? Malachi, of course, is fascinating for a lot of reasons. One is just by kind of a happy accident. He's He's the last figure in the Old Testament. So as you read through your Old Testament, the last book you come to is, is Malachi. Um, and so he has kind of this um, special significance, I'd say. But he was prophesying, prophesying and writing after the return of the Israelites from Babylon. So when the temple was being rebuilt and, and restored. So they're trying to get Israelite religious life back on the rails, right? Well, it's during this period precisely that Malachi begins to prophesy against the priests of the temple, and I'm quoting from him here, who have turned aside from the way and were causing many to falter. Now, here he's like many other figures in Israelite religious history who's putting his finger on this problem of corruption among the clergy, for want of a better term. Think of the critiques of Hophni and Phinehas in 1 Samuel, many others. Bad priests. How it haunts me that practically my entire priesthood has been under the shadow of the clergy sex abuse scandal. You know, I'm ordained in 1986, and it was by the early 90s in Chicago that the first stories began to emerge. So for almost all my priesthood, there's been this cloud of, of scandal that priests, especially entrusted with the charge of leading and guiding and caring for God's people, that priests became a source of pain and abuse and cruelty, toward those least able to defend themselves? I mean, I agree, everybody. It simply cries out to heaven for vengeance. I get it. I get the prophet Malachi. I get this anger at priests who, again, have turned aside from the way and were causing many to falter. Now, has priesthood in our time suffered because of this? Well, yeah, it goes without saying. Has the church suffered because of it? Obviously. Well, listen, listen to Malachi. I will send a curse upon you, and of your blessing I will make a curse. You sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. It's a basic biblical principle. The justice of God will not be denied. This abuse by bad priests has resulted in a terrible curse for the priesthood, for the church. Okay, I get it. The prophets have been saying it for centuries. It's still true today. Listen now as Malachi goes on. And again, brothers, all my brother priests, I'm listening especially to this. You've made void, he says, the covenant of Levi. What does that mean? Well, Aaron, the first great, you might say, high priest, 
was of the tribe of Levi, and hence the Levites were the tribe from which the temple priesthood came. Hence the book of Leviticus, right, deals with temple and sacrifice and priesthood. The Levites were the priests of the temple, which is why, again, brothers especially, every priest today in the Catholic Church is spiritually a Levite. We are spiritually descendants of this great tribe of Israel. So, with Malachi in mind, how are we doing in regard to the covenant of Levi? Can we renew that covenant here and now? That means the covenant by which we are constituted as priests of the temple. You know, every Holy Thursday, priests get up and we renew our priestly vows. We renew the covenant of Levi, if you want. How are we doing? Are we on the way or have we left the way? Are we bringing people to Christ or causing people to falter? Tough questions, but good questions. Okay, now turn to the gospel in the words of Jesus. He's targeting here uh, not priests so much, but the famous scribes and Pharisees. So that phrase that comes up a lot in the gospels. Who are the scribes? Well, they were officials both in the temple and, and elsewhere who explained the law, who interpreted the Torah for people, taught them the traditions of Israel. So important people, indeed. As we have, if you want, scribes today, I mean, as, as a priest, that's part of my job, too, is to teach and to interpret, right? The Pharisees, we know, were a special sect within ancient Judaism, which strove to lead the religious life with exceptional purity and to encourage others to do so. Good, good. Nothing wrong with, with Pharisaism in itself. And see, Jesus admits as much, as much. Listen to him. They sit, he says, legitimately in the chair of Moses. And therefore, people should do what they tell them. See, now, mind you here, this proves that Jesus is no enemy of religion in itself or no enemy of the law. He's not an enemy of, of, of ritual purity, etc., but at the same time, he tells the people not to imitate them. How come? Well, listen to him now. Because, the Lord says, they tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. It's very interesting now, that little uh, phrase. Notice, please, Jesus is not complaining here about the heavy burdens per se. He's not saying, hey, don't put heavy burdens on people. He has nothing against the great demand of the law. In fact, read Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. He intensifies the law. He doesn't, he doesn't lighten it. So what's he complaining about? He's complaining about the unwillingness of the Pharisees to help people carry the burdens that they placed upon them. What he complains about is the lack of love that is so demonstrated. This story about Cardinal George, I think I've told you before, but it's opposite here. When, when I was rector at Mundelein Seminary and Cardinal George came out to speak to the students, and he, and he said to them, I'll never forget it, that he was proud of them because they were in the great John Paul II tradition of teaching the, the full truth of the faith, especially in regard to, to sex and marriage and so on. But then he said to them, Never just drop the truth on people and then walk away. 
that rather if you place the truth on them as this burden, then you got to be able to walk with them and help them carry it. I mean, that to me is getting it dead right. And it's, it's exactly what we see in the magisterium and style of Pope Francis. Convey the truth, but in love. And it's the love that's lacking in the Pharisees. Now, what's the sure sign that all is not well with the Pharisees? And again, brothers, you know, in the priesthood, we got to pay special attention is that they use their religious status and identity as a way of aggrandizing their egos. So Jesus speaks of the widening of their phylacteries. And what does that mean? Well, the, the phylactery was this little box, usually made of leather, in which a pious Israelite would put a little piece of the scripture and then wear it on, on their forehead. So it's a very public sign of, you know, how, how devoted I am. He speaks of the lengthening of tassels, which means these extensions at the end of the prayer shawl. So all these ways of saying very publicly, hey, look, I'm a religious person. But see, notice, please, he's not recommending that we get rid of these things. He warns against using them in the wrong way. And so for those of us in the church and in leadership who, let's face it, we do wear fancy vestments and we bear impressive titles. We're often offered seats of honor at, at gatherings. Um, we just have to be aware of how we are inhabiting these things and not to use them, as Jesus says, as a way of drawing attention to our own egos. Can I just end with a little story, which I've always loved? Pope John XXIII, Angelo Roncalli, when he became a bishop, so he's a man probably in his 40s at that point, had a little meditation, and someone sent it to me when I was named a bishop. It's a meditation on the vestments he was given upon his ordination. And the, the ones I, I got are, are fancy enough, but in his day, John the 23rd, they were really fancy, the vestments the bishop got. He said, the future John the 23rd said, may the splendor of these garments always remind me of the splendor of the souls that I am called upon to serve. Now that's it. That's getting it right. Notice he's not saying, oh, I should get rid of all these vestments. You know, no, no, or I, I should stop. I shouldn't be a bishop. I shouldn't have that title. No, no. But may all this splendor remind me of the splendor of those I'm called upon to serve. So let's keep this in mind. All these warnings coming from from the prophets and from Jesus, how we inhabit our our task as spiritual leaders. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.